0: Need, we need God's grace poured out, is what we need. Uh, we don't need some invention. We don't need all of these other things uh, to attract people. We need the grace of God to be poured out for people to love God. And if they love Him, they will ultimately serve Him. Acts chapter 6 begins... whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, which we know was martyred right after this, and Philip, Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, These they set before the apostles and they prayed. They laid hands on them. This was that ordination service. Uh, And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Beginning in verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. It's worth noting that as we start today, that the church was at a high moment, and we've already seen this played out once before. The church here is at a high moment. It is it is growing and it is exploding in growth. They can barely keep up with it, with with all that's going on. I mean, thousands, I'm talking well over 10,000 by this point. They were growing and they were spreading at just an alarming rate. And I want you to see, go back a couple of verses, go back into chapter 5, starting at verse 40. Look at 40, 41, and 42 because I want us to understand what was taking place in the church. 40, 41, and 42 of chapter 5, listen to what it says. These were the apostles, they were beaten and they were charged. Listen, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council... What were they doing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, listen to what happened after this beating. Every day, from the house to house, in the temple, everywhere they went, what were they doing? They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The apostles, but guys, it wasn't just the apostles that were going out and doing this. People had good news to share, and that was Jesus is the Christ. What does that mean? That he is the anointed one. They were preaching this, they were teaching this from house to house. And what was happening? The church was growing, the church was spreading. They were teaching, they were preaching, the anointed one has come. He is in fact the Messiah. He is in fact the one that has been anointed above all his brethren. Son of David. The anointed one. Jesus. So as they preach this and as they preach and teach the gospel from house to house... Everywhere that they went, people were what? They were being saved. They were increasing in number. And here comes the enemy. When we have a high moment, you can almost expect that there's going to be a low moment. Right? You have a mountaintop experience, you're most generally going to have a valley experience not too long after that. Because the enemy does not like when the church is on a mountaintop experience. But here's the one thing that the enemy has to realize and has to understand is that the enemy loses. The church is going to continue to be on a high position, on a high plane. Whether it goes through ebbs and flows, the church is over the enemy and his demons. Plain and simple. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But listen to what happens here in this text. This is so interesting to me. The first time we see Satan work in the early church was with Ananias and Sapphira. Remember that? Anybody with me? Am I going to have to start doing this? The first time he works with Ananias and Sapphira... By way of what? By way of deception and by way of greed. Deception and greed. They lied to the Holy Spirit. It says that they were filled with Satan. Lied to the Holy Spirit about the money. Ananias and Sapphira there, here, they were were being deceptive and they were being greedy. This first time was not subtle at all. It wasn't subtle at all. I mean, this was not subtle, not even close to being subtle. It was right out there in the open. Boom! They sold a big giant piece of land. They sold some land. There's nothing subtle about southern land. Let me just tell you that real quick. You cannot fly under the radar selling property. Nothing subtle about it. So here they are, and they sell this land, and then they lie about the proceeds, and they give a portion, they keep a portion. Satan had got a foothold in their hearts, hadn't he? Amen. Satan had did work. He, had, he, he was doing work in the early church. Why? Because he didn't want it to thrive. He didn't want it to prosper. So his first act here was not subtle at all. Not only did they deceive because they were greedy, but they wanted to have prestige. They wanted to be on the forefronts of people's minds because they did something big for the church. We should always be doing something for the church, right? (laughs) But they sell a piece of property and so because this, they say, well, we are really something. They wanted pats on the back for service. That's last time I checked, our job. Well, they got a pat on the back by way of a striking dead by the Lord. Because they deceived and because they were greedy, because they wanted to be held in high regard, the Lord... Struck them dead. And the whole church saw this. The whole church saw what took place. This was a warning by the Lord. After the cleansing of Ananias and Sapphira from the church, what happened? Many signs and wonders once again were done. Satan had come in. Then the Lord strikes those two dead because of their wickedness in the church. And then after that cleansing, after that purging, then it proceeds. What proceeds? All of the works. All of the things that were taking place earlier. The signs and the wonders. All this stuff began to happen again after Ananias and Sapphira were removed out of the equation. However, Satan is absolutely relentless in his attack on the church. Do we see that or not? Satan's relentless. Y'all know that? We have to remember something that he's not omnipresent like the Lord. So he can't be everywhere at the same time. He can't. He just can't be. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. People are all the time talking about Satan doing this and Satan doing that to them. Satan cannot be... Let's just take that power away from him for just a second. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He is not God. There is one over him that is in control and that is God. Satan is not in control. He's got his his little minions and all the little demons that work for him and go out and they do what they're supposed to do. But Satan is not omnipresent. But he is relentless in his pursuit to disrupt the church. He is relentless in it. You see it from the beginning in Adam and Eve. You see it here in the New Testament church. He wants to impede the church. I don't need that, honey. You can sit back down. He wants to impede the church's growth. He wants to make it stutter and make it stop. But he knows that he can't do that. He wants to try to slow it down. Round two, Satan throws at the church something very subtle. The first one wasn't subtle with Ananias and Sapphira. They sold land. They gave a big chunk of money. They wanted prestige. The Lord strikes them dead. Boom. That's not how we're going to do it. The second way is very subtle. He comes in very subtle. What do you mean, Pastor? He's crafty. He's like a little wiggling snake. He's a little dragon. Subtle. And he comes in. Before we go any further, just remind Satan that he loses out loud. Loses. Satan, you lose. Satan. You don't want to say it? That's okay. Some of you do, some of you don't. Satan, you lose. In Satan's schemes, we have the second thing that he comes at the church with, and that is very subtle, and it is partiality. Who would think that partiality would cause, would cause confusion in the local assembly? But partiality breeds what? It breeds jealousy, and it breeds contention. And this is what he wants. He wants the church Disrupted. He wants the church not to be able to work and not to be able to be fluid, to move and to go in the direction that God has called it in. The church with its thousands of members in Jerusalem was in trouble. You say, well, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal to me. It ain't like they just got uh, guns and stuff and they're just killing everybody. No, no, no. We got to understand. Satan is subtle and his work is subtle. Sometimes it's out there for everybody to see, but sometimes he's in the background and he's getting people in and he's getting them all worked up. Jealousy. Contention breeds from that. And then before long, you got people doing this. Talking, 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 talking. This one's being treated unfair. This one's being treated unfair. This one's getting more than this and this one's getting more than that. That's what Satan wants. He wants the church talking about itself and its problems instead of talking about Jesus and who He is. If the church showed partiality among the members and blessed some and left others at a deficit or with not enough, then how would that look among the outsiders? Well, it wouldn't look much like the church, would it? So what is he doing? He is trying to mar the name, the face of the church. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to mar the character and everything that the church stands for, the love, the selflessness of each other that we have amongst each other. He is trying to mar that. From an outsider's perspective, the church who is supposed to be selfless all of a sudden looks now pretty selfish because they give to the ones that they know but not to the ones that speak a different language. What happened? Where was partiality shown? It was shown among the widows It was shown among those that could not take care of themselves and they needed help. The scriptures talk about what makes up a widow and the ones that are true widows indeed. And there was partiality being shown among the widows. The charge was this. The Greek speaking Jews, the Hellenists Widows were not being fully tended to in the daily distribution. Food or other needs, whatever it may have been. And this is a problem. Because the church was giving out and the church was receiving and then giving out, receiving and giving out, receiving and giving out. But people were being left out. And when people are being left out, that is a problem. That's a problem. Some were just simply getting more than others. Verse 2, listen to what it says. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. A couple of things here on this one passage I want you to take note of. First, let's notice that they told them to choose seven. Why seven? I have no idea. Because they felt necessary that there be seven deacons. I cannot find anywhere in Scripture why they chose seven. They felt it necessary. They were the apostles, and so I have to go with them on that. We got to understand, but they, they chose seven. For upwards of 10,000 people. Seven. I want us to understand something about deacons. And I'm so thankful that I do not have that problem at grace. But I've had it in the past. This is one of the reasons why so many churches have gone to non-denominational because I've had pastors tell me, I'm tired of fooling with the deacons. I'm tired of fooling with this deacon board. I'm tired of fooling with that deacon board. Why? Because the, te- the, the deacons have assumed roles as leaders in the church, pushing around the pastor and the members. I can speak to this because I've experienced it personally. At the last church I was at, I used to have a deacon's meeting every single Sunday morning before I got up to preach. You believe that? Before I got up to preach. And they would examine me and they would ask me, What did you do? What did you read? What have you been doing? My grandfather was asked to turn in his sermon to the deacon board before he got up to preach. These are just just silly examples. What I'm telling you is there's no church under this planet that has a hundred people that needs more than 12 deacons. 12 deacons is way more than anybody would ever need. They had, there's seven deacons here for like 10,000. Why is it that now all of a sudden in today's society that we have to have all of these deacons for such a small amount of people? Is the church that needy? That they need 12 and 20 deacons on a deacon board? No, the church is not that needy. No. I tell you what it is. It's power. I do believe in deacons and I do believe in pastors. And I do believe that they have roles. And there's no reason to throw out the baby with the bathwater and say, there's no need for deacons. Look what they do. All they do is cause trouble. Because I know that God's Word says that they're good to have. I know that God's Word teaches us that it's important. Two positions given in the church are the pastor, the elder, the bishop, And the deacons. So many people have went to non-denominationals because of deacon boards that are running churches. Plain and simple. And as bad as people don't want to admit it, it's true. The deacons here at Grace know... Third to serve, and I go to them for counsel. I would be crazy not to, but they know that the position is that of service. The notice next, the second thing that we see about deacons is that they were men. <laughs> Do we see them saying, look ye out and find among you seven women? Does not say that, does it? It says seven men. This is pretty clear. Okay, and we're going to see this explained a little bit more as we get into 1 Timothy in chapter 3. But it says seven men. This is not as in mankind in general. This is actually the, the male Gender, seven men. And then here we're going to have what they're going to say about those seven men. They must be of good repute. What is that? Good reputation, above reproach. Full of the Spirit, they need to be saved, right? But it's a little bit more than just that, and I'll get to that here in just a second. And of wisdom, they needed to be wise. Listen to what it says. They needed to be full of the Spirit. And I think it's interesting here that one of the gifts to the early church was speaking in different languages. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. They were filled and they, with, with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different languages, right? Different tongues. Everybody heard it in their own language. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. Well, what's happening in the church here in Acts chapter 6? Who was being neglected? Who was being neglected? The ones that spoke what? Another language. So why is it important that they be filled with the Holy Spirit? Somebody please answer. So they can be ministered to. This is so important, not just so they could be ministered to, but they need to be saved. These people were being neglected. these ladies were being neglected. do y'all follow are you are you are you hearing what I'm telling you Greek speaking Jews were being neglected This is why it was so important for people full of the Holy Spirit to go and to minister to them? Different languages. Stephen, more than likely, these, these deacons, more than likely, these men were able to speak those different languages, to speak in diverse languages. These men were to be servants for the church, just as the apostles would be servants to the church. By way of prayer and preaching the Word, the church was to choose seven seven men. And then the apostles would appoint them to the duty of service. In other words, the apostles then would lay hands on them, and we see this later on there in verse 6. Listen, verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, and to the ministry of the Word. What was the apostle's job? Prayer, preaching, teaching, the Word of God. Now, let us be clear that there are not apostles today. Can everybody believe that with me? There's not apostles today. But this category does fall under uh, a minister or a pastor. So when, when I say that, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm an apostle because I'm not. I am an under-shepherd. That responsibility for me, my responsibility is to give myself to prayer, to preaching, to teaching the Word of God. That is my responsibility. I'm not an apostle, nor do I claim to be. I don't believe that there are any in the church today. There are two positions that we see very clearly in the church, and that are pastors and that are deacons. Amen. And with those two, there are certain requirements, and 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that. Amen. Both positions are service positions. Do we understand? Both positions are service positions. Somebody came to me one time and said, I want to be an elder. I said, you can't be an elder unless you lead, or unless you serve. That person didn't want to serve. They wanted to lead. Jesus tells us very clearly, He came not to lead, but to serve. So if Jesus came to serve, then His pastors and ministers should be what? Servants. To serve the church in the capacity that they're called to serve in. As a pastor, I'm a servant to the Lord and to the church. He's placed me here as an under-shepherd. And that's what I'm called to do. Deacons are servants as well. They are called to serve. And just so you'll know, everybody that claims to be a child of God are called to share the gospel and are called to serve. Right? It's not just left up to these few people, but we're all called to. We're all called to. Verse 5, and I'm almost done. Listen to what it says. And what they said pleased the whole gathering... And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Perchorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Verse 6. These they set before the apostles and they prayed. And here's that ordination service, if you want to call it that. They set them before the apostles and they prayed. The apostles prayed and they laid their hands on them saying, basically saying, You've got our seal of approval. Go and serve the church. Now they were assigned to that local assembly. Howbeit that local assembly was very, very large. Remember that. Well into the thousands. Well into the thousands. Listen to what it says in verse 7. I think this is my favorite out of all the This whole passage, verse 7, is my favorite. Listen to what it says. And the Word of God continued to increase. So we go from a very contentious problem where Satan had got a foothold. We go from a very contentious problem. Now it's being solved. The apostles had appointed seven men. Now it's being solved. And what happens after that? After the problem is taken care of. Imagine what happens next. Well, the Lord begins to bless, doesn't He? Let's read it. Just like He did with the first time with Ananias and Sapphira. And the Word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. What happened? God's grace was being poured out. And then something really cool is said. And I love this. And a great many of the priests, these were the religious, it doesn't specify. It just says a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The priests, the religious, God's grace was being poured out. The church, once again, after choosing the the servants, the deacons, after taking care of the issue, here the church grows again. And even the priests, even the religious were being saved. So first, there was trouble in the church. Second, that trouble was fixed by the choosing of deacons. And third, God's grace poured out yet again. Jesus was being preached as the Christ. He was being preached from house to house as the Christ. He was even being preached by the deacons. The deacons were ministering and telling people about the Lord. And we're going to see that That really displayed with Stephen in the next text. But here in our text, we're going to see that the deacons were were speaking about Christ. They were taking care of the needs of the people. The church was restored there to to what it should have been. The church was expanding love, agape love, once again, once again, won the day. They were going from house to house and they continued. And because of that... This was evangelism at its finest. They cleaned up the problem and the church began to move forward yet again. And so here in this early part of the church, we have the choosing of the deacons. They come into uh, roles in the church and you have that here and they chose those seven who were men. And if you want to look at the qualifications for a deacon, you're more than welcome to, or a pastor. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You're more than look at it. More than welcome to look at it and go there. But this is the choosing of the seven to serve. Do we have to have seven today? No. Can we? Sure. Do we need them? I don't think so. I mean, I think a couple's pretty good. You know, uh, I don't. I don't think a church our size needs twenty four. If that were the case, then most of y'all all would be deacons. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so we know that uh, that's left up to the church, and that's left up to, according to uh, Acts chapter six, those that are in charge there. And and I just I have to say this as a pastor here, I know that we have we've had um, a couple of deacons that have passed away since I've been here. Brother brother Bryant and Brother uh, Charles Boyd, just blessed men that, that blessed my heart, that served and did what they could for the Lord. Uh, brother Nelson, Brother Nelson, <laughs> Brother Nelson is still with us and he's still serving. And Brother David is still serving, Jason, which Jason's not here with us this morning. But Brother David is still serving, and I just have to say that I am blessed to have deacons that love me and my family, that love the church, that serve the church. I am thankful for that. Uh, I have never been whipped by one of them, as I have in the past. I have never been uh, talked down to that we couldn't agree with or or talk it out or or work things out uh, like, like in the past. And I think the reason why is there's a a common goal, and that is to serve and to work in the local church. And so I thank God for that, that God has placed me at grace. And that the deacons that we do have, they just go and they serve. If something's needed, they they do it. If I have to ask them, I ask them. And they go do it. It's, It's not an issue. They just take care of it. And I praise God for that today. And so here we have the choosing of those seven and what they were supposed to be doing and what the pastor, or here in this text was the apostles, but we know later on the, past, the pastors what they were supposed to be doing. And I know I've, I've been kind of scattered this morning with that. I have a lot to say on deaconship. Um, we're going to get into more of that in first, first Timothy. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father we come to you today and and we just uh